Hello and welcome to Star Wars Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 158, recorded April 1st, 2014. So we're keeping the old numbering, but you may have noticed the name of the show has changed to the Star Wars Comic Book Review. Indeed. So we, we finished off 157 episodes of Star Trek, and we thought this would be a good place to stop doing Star Trek for a while and move over to the other big star sci-fi fantasy <laughs> franchise of Star Wars. Exactly! We both love Star Wars! We're kind of sick of Star Trek all the time. So, here we are. Switching over. I'm sure no one will mind. Right. And, you know, J.J. Abrams has been the guiding post in Star Trek for the last several years, and if he can move over... So well, can we. We should as well. There you go. We're following his lead. Right. So maybe after Star Wars Episode Seven's out, at that time we'll be sick of Star Wars comics and we'll move back to Star Trek. Who knows? Who knows? The future is our oyster. So, I, I'm pretty excited about this. It'll be fun. Heck yes. And we're, of course, starting off with a kind of an interesting twist on Star Wars, going really back to the true origin of Star Wars. Right. So instead of starting at the first chronologically released Star Wars comic, which would have been the Marvel issues, we're instead doing a more recent comic book entitled The Star Wars, which is based on the original rough draft that George Lucas had before the movies were made. Which is really interesting. Really. I mean, we all know A New Hope, Inside and Out. But this is a rather different take on that final script that they filmed with. Right, yeah, because it has a little bit of the prequel in it, and a little bit of the what we know of as the New Hope, and everybody's dissimilar, but not quite what we know and love from the actual movie. Exactly. A lot of the same names are there. A lot of the planet's names are even there, but they're kind of different in their roles in some cases. Right. So, because we kind of surprised this on everybody listening, we didn't, because we were planning on doing the Marvel, and we thought, you know, we just finished DC. This would be a good cutting point. Uh, so since you don't have, since you didn't know what to read beforehand, we're going to be reading the Star Wars issue number one and number two. So if you need to pause us, go get the books, read them, come back. Feel free to do so now. <laughs> right, and of course that is a, a six-issue series, I believe. We'll be doing the first two in this episode. Look forward to the other four in future episodes. Right. All right. Yeah. It's it's kind of a swan song for Dark Horse Comics because. They're on their last year, because Disney bought out Star Wars franchise, and they already bought out Marvel, so they announced just a couple months ago that at the end of, I think, 2016 or 2015, that Dark Horse Comics will no longer have the Star Wars license, and that it'll move over to Marvel again. Yeah. That's a shame. It is a shame, because I think Dark Horse Comics has done so many great things with Star Wars that... I really hate to see that they're they're going to lose that. Right, that license. Oh, well, especially uh, these comic books are good examples. Very high quality. Nice artwork. Good stuff. Right. So, I don't know how familiar you are with the backstory of Star Wars, but have you seen those old uh, Ralph McQuarren paintings? Oh, yeah. yes. I used to have a... a I loved Star Wars when it came out. Always loved Star Trek too, but I lo- oh man, was was I into uh, Star Wars? I had uh, some kind of a coffee table book or something that was chock full of uh, Ralph McQuarrie pre-production drawings. 
Right. Okay, good. So then you recognized a lot of these uh, characters and stuff, like from I mean, almost directly from his paintings. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 70s. But yeah, I did recognize some of the outfits. Right. So, anyways, and, and you know, w- one of his paintings that I loved was the the fight between, I guess it's supposed to be Luke or Anakin or whoever wearing that like gas mask thing. And then Darth Vader wearing, you know, wearing almost what he wears in the movie, fighting each other. Right. Uh, that was the poster I always wanted. And when I was at Celebration One back in when Episode One was coming out, they did the first Star Wars convention, hmm. and uh, I finally got that poster. And oh, cool! It was so awesome. Is it still framed and you know proudly what? showing uh, on your wall? When I moved to Japan. I don't know what I did with it because I honestly – I went through all my posters the other day, all the frame posters that had just been sitting in the closet, and I didn't see it. So I'm wondering if I gave it to somebody. Hmm. It was awesome. <laughs> totally <laughs> awesome. So there's a character in here, not to spoil anything, named uh, Anakin. Yes. And, and I guess he's supposed to ultimately be that character from that painting. Hopefully, hopefully in a later issue uh, he'll don that. Gas mask thing and and like Darth Vader, right? And that brings up a good point. Something that we talked about earlier is the fact that things are the same. A lot of things are the same, but a lot of things are quite different. And it's interesting to talk, do the compare and contrast thing with these and the real movies. Right. So you know, it's almost as interesting to talk about the differences as the similarities. And um, it's 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 almost like a new. It's almost like a completely new story, uh, but of course it isn't 100 percent new. But it's in, it's it's new enough. I'm really enjoying it as uh, as almost its own standalone story. Right, it's quite good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you want to just jump into the first issue? Let's do it. All right. So this is entitled just the Star Wars issue one. Its published date was September 2013, so fairly recent. The script was J.W. Rinsler. Art is Mike Mayhew. Colors, Rain Berido. Lettering, Michael Hensler. Cover is Nick Runge. And variant covers, Jan Dorzina and Douglas Whitley. I didn't see the alternate covers, so I'll just be talking about the cover that I got. Which, I guess, is the main one. So, cover looks like a poster for a Star Wars movie, you know, some montage of various faces and poses. This one shows at the top, there's some sort of Sith Lord with a hooded face, and he's wearing a mask over the lower part of his face, which looks like it's made out of metal, and it has these nasty-looking tusks coming out. Uh, He's holding a crimson lightsaber outstretched. To the left of him, we see what might be a Death Star, except it looks very smooth. And from it, we can see what looks like a Star Destroyer coming out of it. Below the Sith Lord, we see a green-skinned alien that looks a lot like Swamp Thing, except he's wearing clothes. And he's firing a blaster rifle off to his left, or to the reader's left. Uh, Next to him, we see an older bearded man that looks a little like George Lucas. And he's holding a blaster and pointing it right at the reader. And then to the right of that, we see a young woman in some desert-type gear, 
and she's blasting away at something to the reader's right. Excuse me. Below them, we see the faces of two men, one older and one young. And then lastly, in the lower right-hand corner, we see a huge hairy monster and a female-looking golden-skinned droid and then a squatty little astromech droid. So maybe those are the progenitors for Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. The caption underneath all of it reads, Longer ago, in a galaxy further away. The story starts on the fourth moon of Utapau. A young man clad in a mask is carrying a rifle, and he watches a streak of light cross the sky. He rushes into a small hut that is nestled next to a freighter spacecraft. Inside the hut, there is a man teaching a younger boy with the use of a small white cube. He is shown hitting the boy with a leather belt when the boy loses concentration. The man is Jedi Kane Starkiller. The young man who saw the streak in the sky is his son, Anakin. And the younger boy is his other son, Deke. Anakin informs his father that someone has found them. Kane informs his son that it could just be a ship landing for repairs, but they will investigate. Deke wants to come along, and since he has solved the mystery of the White Cube, his father allows it. Later, the three men look over a rocky outcropping at the small fighter craft parked in the sand below. Deke is now looking through some micro-binoculars at the craft. He's watching as his father slowly approaches the ship. Suddenly, his view is obscured by a black shape. He pulls the binoculars down, and he sees the towering figure of a man in a hooded black cloak wearing a metal tusked mask. The man pulls out a red lightsaber, and he swipes at the young boy and pushes Anakin back. The younger boy flies to the ground, dead. Anakin screams, No! And he ignites his lightsaber. A fierce fight ensues between the mysterious dark man and Anakin. The battle is cut short, however, when Cain arrives and he slices the Dark Lord in half. Cain then rushes to the small, lifeless form of his youngest son. Later, the two Jedi have created a funeral pyre for the boy. They then take the small craft that the Sith Lord arrived in, their destination, their home planet of Aquila. Meanwhile, on the Imperial capital world of Alderaan, the Emperor is giving a speech to the gathered crowd of hundreds of onlookers. This Emperor is a dark-haired, middle-aged man with a thin mustache and beard. He tells the crowd about the upcoming campaign to finally wipe out the Jedi and to conquer the last independent system of Aquila. All of the crowd is very pleased with this announcement, except for a young man who has a bright blue ring upon his index finger. The ringed man turns away from the Emperor, and he walks away from the cheering crowd. The ringed man arrives at a bar, and he finds another man with a similar ring. The new man is identified as Bale, and the first one identified as Whitson. The two talk about the upcoming attack to their home planet, and how all space traffic leaving Alderaan has been grounded. Suddenly, stormtroopers arrive, and they arrest Bale. Before being dragged away, Bale informs Whitson that he should look to pirates for a way off-world. Elsewhere on the planet, Governor Hodak is having a drink in the company of Darth Vader. 
This Darth Vader is human and wearing an outfit very similar to his A New Hope counterpart, except that the gloves here are white and he wears no helmet or mask. He has short, close-cropped black hair and a scar across one of his cheeks. Hodak is telling the Scowling Man of his new appointment by the Emperor to head the campaign against Aquila. An aide is there on a hover chair, and he warns his master about the Jedi that are rumored to guard the system. Vader insists that these are just legends and myths. The aide insists that they are actually true, and that he was with the Emperor himself on a previous campaign to conquer the planet, and the rebellion was led by Jedi Siege Darklighter. Vader is curious, but he questions the reliability of this story. Meanwhile, in the Palace of Light on Aquila, King Chaos is meeting with his advisors. They point out that their off-world suppliers will not be able to support them once a war with the Empire has started. One of the advisors pleads with the king to go ahead and to sign the treaty with the Empire, and he points out that they will never survive an all-out war against the Empire. The meeting is interrupted when a tall man with a white beard enters the room. He is General Skywalker. This man is in charge of the planetary defenses of Aquila, as well as one of the last remaining Jedi, Bindu. He inquires if the king and the war advisor, Tarkin, have approved his plans. Both are hesitant, since they refuse to believe the Empire would truly attack them. The meeting is interrupted again by two small children rushing into the chamber, screaming, Daddy! Daddy! The king scoops up his children in his hands. Little Biggs and Wendy inform their father that Leia is about to leave and he needs to wish her farewell. Outside the palace, the king and Skywalker arrive to an airspeeder. Leia is giving a farewell hug to her mother and then to her father. With that, she, her aide, and a driver speed off to Yule, where she will begin her studies. Later in the war room, Skywalker arrives. Montrose informs the general that a fleet of Star Destroyers were heading to a nearby system. Also, he informs him that Woodson has yet to check in and he's long overdue. Skywalker's attention is caught by a commotion by the door. Starkiller and Anakin are walking through the door and pushing guards away with the power of their minds. Skywalker immediately calls off the guards at the sight of his old friend. Greetings are made, and then Skywalker invites the two new arrivals to a private room. Once alone, Starkiller informs his friend about Deke's death. He also requests that Starkiller take Anakin as his Padawan learner. Skywalker refuses at first, assuring his friend that he is still capable of completing it himself. Enraged, Starkiller slams his hand down, then he rips away his shirt, revealing a robotic arm and torso. He tells Skywalker that he, only his head and right arm remain of his former self. Then, the rage spent, he drops his head and he proclaims that he is dying. Skywalker is about to agree to his friend's request when a soldier bursts in and tells them that something the size of a large asteroid or comet is moving straight towards the planet. To be continued. Da, da, da. The size of a small moon. What could that be? It doesn't say moon, it says large asteroid. Okay. But yes, I, I was going to put that in the synopsis at first, and then I was like, no, no, that's not what they said. Right. Uh, definitely, as we'll see in the next issue, their sensors are definitely not completely magical. They actually can't tell a lot of things until 
that strange object gets closer. Right. Which makes it a little bit more realistic, I think. So much to say. Where do we begin? Yeah. So, uh, do you think Skywalker looks like George Lucas? On the cover, when you mention that, yes. But I don't think he looks like Lucas on the inside. Now, we're, think- we're talking about 1974 Lucas, not current-day Lucas. <laughs> old, old heavy Lucas? No, I, no I, don't think the, I don't think he looks like Lucas on the inside, per se. Yeah, m- maybe I mean, not. His, you know, I, I don't know. The beard. But you do, obviously. Uh, well, just because the old Ralph McQuarrie po- paintings of Skywalker always look so much like George Lucas that I have a hard time not thinking of Lucas when I see it. Oh, okay. Let me pull up another picture and look. Anyways. Well, overall, I think it's a very good start. I'm just fascinated by how the characters have, uh, have been changed, combined in some cases, split out in some cases, new people we haven't seen before, and, and just some concepts, too. I mean, uh, in the original stories, Lucas was big on having uh, parts replaced, like hands, with robotic kind of things on people. Right. Um, and in this case, he, take it, he took it pretty far with uh, the elder Starkiller. Right. Well, obviously, Starkiller is the progenitor of what ultimately became Darth Vader, because he combined the Darth Vader character and the father character into one. So, I mean, this... I mean, he, he is he is the father of... You know, he's the father of the the main young person, which in this yes. is Anakin. Yes. And yeah. he's just yeah. a, a face on top of a, a metal body. Yes, although Darth we don't know that until he, uh, you know, until he exposes it. Right. Right. So it's kind of interesting to see how he combined those two characters. Because I knew that originally the father wasn't... Anakin and Darth Vader were two different people. Right. But then I think it was even when they were making Empire Strikes Back that somebody combined the two and and Lucas approved it. Right. So, Um, And another example is it seems that even though Luke is... The Luke we know and love is obviously Anakin... Right. However, we've got a combination of Obi-Wan Kenobi, or maybe we just say he's, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi with uh, Luke's name. Yep. Because really yep. that's what he is. That's really what he is. Yeah. Although he's a lot more heroic and a lot more uh, svelte than, than Obi-Wan Kenobi was. Well, he's definitely taking a more active role. So, I yes. Mean, he's almost like Obi-Wan Kenobi was in the prequels, the, the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Right. But this really is kind of set in the New Hope time period, sort of. So um, I'm thinking more of the Alec Guinness, older Obi-Wan, when I'm doing my comparisons. But good point. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was thinking that it it would have been what Alec Guinness would have been if he didn't spend the last 20 years living as a hermit on town. Exactly. If he he kept his general uh, command and he was still, you know, commanding troops and stuff like that. Right. He, he would be this, this Luke as, Skywalker. Yeah, as opposed to running off into uh, hiding. Right. But anyways, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, because I've always heard of the uh, original screenplay, but I've never read it. Right. And then, so if this truly is a, a representation of that, uh, it's very interesting for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something I was a little confused about at the beginning, and maybe I was just reading it wrong. But there's a little bit of, uh, you know, the rolling credit kind of look that, that really just sets the stage for you. Right. So, you know, it's got the yellow 
lettering bold and it's it's kind of gives you the idea that it's scrolling backwards when but it's it's a static page sure but some of the things it's saying in there is like interesting jedi dash bendu is what the Jedi are referred to as, and maybe you know about what the Bendu are from all your reading, which I have not done as much in the alternate Star Wars universe, but I, I don't know what the Bendu are, and I still don't know what the Bendu are, uh, three issues into it. Right. I so do either. you know what the Bendu? Okay, fine. Nope. So that was a concept that was dropped with this script uh, right. somewhere along the line. Okay, fine. Later, it gives the idea that the Bendu might be you know, more like the, the priestly kind of dimension. Right. Uh, you know, maybe more the um, vow of celibacy and, and maybe more priestly characteristics of the Jedi, but it's still pretty unclear. Uh, well, especially in this issue. They don't really go into it at all. So that's kind of interesting. And the other thing that I thought was, if I read this right, it was saying something about the new empire fighting against the existing empire. Um, that was kind of confusing for me. Yeah, yeah. The uh, it says one by one they have been hunted down and destroyed as enemies of the new empire. Right. By a ferocious and sinister rival warrior sect, the Knights of the Sith. Okay. Yeah, so I think it's so the, the Sith are think, still there. Right. It's but, like Darth, Darth Vader was was a Sith and he was part of the Empire. And okay, so but I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah, but the Je- okay. So yeah, but what they're saying here is the Jedi worked for the old empire basically and then the sith and darth vader and those guys are working for the new empire so there's no mention of the republic Republic. or the old republic whatever you want to call it right so at least in this script it's one one empire after another i guess right right which was i yeah i I like i like i like the later way (laughs) where you have a clearly different political structure being replaced by uh, uh, by an empire. Right. I like that idea better. It's less confusing. I always liked in A New Hope, that uh, the movie A New Hope, that Luke, there on Tatooine, acknowledges that the empire is the, you know, the normal governing body of, of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And he actually wants to join up to serve the empire. Right? Mm-hmm. He wants to fly a ship. So, you know... I can join the military. Right. You know, and he, he actually, you know, I, I always liked that from their point of view, you know, where he was, the Empire wasn't bad. It was just, oh, those, that's just the ruling the way it is. Right. So I like how it, through the course of the movie, he finds out that, oh, no, the Empire is really bad. They blow up planets when they don't like get their way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really liked that, you know, and it's not even hit on that much in the movie, but it, it was no. just kind of cool to see his eyes opening that, the beginning, you know, we the audience already know they're bad because they tried to kill Princess Leia. We've already seen how bad they are, but to yes. him, it's just that's just sure. it's just the Emperor. We we, you know, he's the one who sends us our food or whatever, you know. However, their uh, you know government works works, you know exactly. And I'm sure there's plenty of propaganda that uh, paints the Empire as uh, being wonderful guys and come join the Empire and see the galaxy. Yeah, I seem to remember. I, I thought. I don't know whether this is something I read on Blaster or something, but I saw a series of retro-style Empire propaganda posters. That it was just that kind of thing. Yeah, they're always doing stuff like that. Right. Some artists made it up. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, but, but there was actually a video game uh, for the PC called X-Wing Fighter. 
mm-hmm. and in it you obviously were in the rebellion and you were fighting the empire. Right. Then they made a sequel, and it was going to be called Tie Fighter. Ah. So in this, you were a Tie Fighter pilot. Right. But they didn't want to paint it that oh you're an evil guy go kill people. So the whole game and you know, all the cutscenes and everything. And all your missions are told from you're a loyal fighter for the Empire, Empire. and, you know, all these rabble-rousers are, you know, destroying the peace, and you have to go in there and, and, you know, try to stop it. Right. So it was, was, I thought that was a really good spin, that if you were playing that game and you knew nothing else about Star Wars, the Empire were the good guys. Right. So, uh, so maybe those uh, posters you were talking about were kind of in the same vein. It sounds like it. Cool. So the new Emperor, the way he's drawn, the first thing I saw when I saw the new Emperor was, well, number one, he doesn't look like a motley old Sith. But the second thing I thought was, oh, he looks like Sinestro. He has the beard and the, the kind of receding forehead a little bit. Exactly. That widow's peak, I think they call it, you know, right. coming forward. And, yes. you know, and his head looks a little on the big side. Right. Uh, maybe just because of the lack of hair towards the front. But uh, he just reminded me of Sinestro. He's very much like Sinestro. Yeah. Just needs to be purple. <laughs> or right. red, or however they color them in different things. Exactly. And maybe have a yellow suit, or a green suit, depending on his particular point in life. Or depending on your point in comic book reading. Right. He, he used to wear a blue and a blue and black suit. Ah, okay. Which there you go. Made, it's never made sense. Why was he wearing a blue suit? Yeah, right. Ah, so Alderaan, Princess Leia's home world, is actually the capital planet of the new Galactic Empire. What's that? That's about? funny, right? Yeah. That is odd. You would think that Aquila would be Alderaan, and A- you could Aquila. name this Aquila or whatever it was. Right. Which is funny because. In Star Wars, you know, the movie, they reused the names that were in this, I guess. Remember the walrus-looking guy that gets his arm chopped off by Obi-Wan Kenobi in the cantina? Yeah. He, he is an Aqualish, so in, oh. he's from Aquila. Oh, okay, well, but because when you mentioned that, it was like, okay, Alderaan, they definitely reused that. But I didn't remember Aquila. Well, okay. if you didn't read the expanded stuff, you, you might not I wouldn't know that he was okay. an Aqualish. Ah, okay. Because I think even on his Kenner action figure, he was just called Walrus Man. <laughs> well, that... Yeah, okay. That makes it a little easier to, to identify him, but... And, you know, I mean, let's just talk about the, the reuse. So, on the very first panel, the the young Starkillers are on the fourth boon of Utapau. Mm-hmm. Which in okay. Star Wars Episode Three, the the planet where Kenobi and Grievous fight is Utapau, the one that has like the big pits. And, oh, um, I did I did not remember that. And uh, Kenobi rides that uh, lizard-looking thing. Right, right, right. And Star Killer, which is you know these guys' names, that was later used in Star Wars Force Unleashed video games. Huh. Okay. So the Sith Apprentice, or Darth Vader's Apprentice, or however you want to call him, he finds out his true name, and it's Starkiller. Huh. And his cool. father... His, it's a lot like this. His father and uh, him were hiding out on Kashyyyk, and then Darth Vader found him and chopped his father in half, and then the boy showed so much prowess in the Force that Vader took him out as a secret apprentice. 
Hmm. Let's see what else has been reused. One of the random names they use is Montrose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the war commanders or whatever. Montrose is a rival bounty hunter against Django Fett in the prequels. Ah, okay. And the fat guy at the bar, Bale. Leia's dad's name is Bale. Oh, I didn't know that. Let's see, what else? I forgot his name, but the big fat guy that was talking to Vader... Yeah, and, uh, I never caught his name. What was it? I didn't catch it either, but I'm saying he looks a little like he is... His physicality is a little like Jabba the Hutt. Right. Yep. Uh, although not, not quite as slug-like, but you know, big, heavy guy, probably doesn't get around very easily. <laughs> well, if, if you've seen some of the original drawings for Jabba the Hutt, right. even his face and his ears and stuff are what they originally had envisioned for Jabba the Hutt at one point. Oh, interesting. And they talk about Jedi Siege Darklighter. Darklighter is Biggs Darklighter was Luke's friend that went and joined the Rebellion and dies there in the trench run on uh, at the end of the movie. He has cool. that black mustache. Yeah. Still the Darklighter was reused. Uh, okay. Um... I thought it was interesting, at least visually, how they sort of have reused part of the Millennium Falcon in the opening page, if you don't count the page one that really is showing the uh, the Tusky Sith's uh, ship going towards the moon. Right. It basically has the outside cockpit of the Millennium Falcon hooked up to uh, a more symmetrical, roughly tubular hull going backwards. So it's a little hint of the Millennium Falcon, but not nearly the same shape, except right. in the cockpit area. Except for the cockpit, which looks right. awesome. Yeah. That, that's the, well, as I was scanning through this, getting ready to read them, I saw that. And I was like, oh, wow, they changed the Millennium Falcon a lot. And then I saw the, the Tusky Sith attacking people, and I thought, oh, wow, they really changed Darth Vader. And it's like, as I start to read, it's like, oh, no, I was off on both counts. No, the Tusky guy is the progenitor for the Tuscan warrior, the sand people. No. Yeah. Even that really? whole scene, the scene is the same, where you're looking through the binoculars and then suddenly... Well, well yeah. Well, okay, but, but... And he has tusks. Tuscan. I, I, I get... Okay, fine. But he's obviously a Sith. He's a Sith. Okay, fine. But as we've seen, or we will see, and especially in, in issue three... Pretty much everybody has lightsabers in this one. What? Oh, wait! Wait till we get there. Well, we won't do three. So I don't like that. We won't see the uh, stormtroopers okay, wielding the lightsabers. Yeah, I don't like that. That that's not allowed. I loved it. Only loved Jedi's. It. Only Jedi's. What, what do you mean you loved it? Those paintings of Ralph McQuarren where he has the stormtroopers holding the lightsabers. I loved those paintings. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Whatever. It should not be allowed. Only Jedi. <laughs> Uh, and, the, and the other thing here is, the Jedis are fine with using blasters. No right. problem. Which always made more sense to me. What if you want to hit somebody that's farther away? You need a blaster, Obi-Wan. Come on. It may, so not, it, it, it may be more clumsy and random, but come on. Uncivilized. Exactly. Exactly. So as that tusky Sith is going towards the moon... I thought it's interesting that the wings on it, or at least the outside part, is very reminiscent of a TIE fighter. 
but within those very outside points that are kind of uh, vertical, the inside portion of the ship they were using is more like a Rebel X-Wing fighter without X-Wings. Right. So I thought it was interesting they kind of were putting together different ideas, uh, but the fact that you saw the TIE fighter-like side wings said to me, oh, oh this guy's bad. He's, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of what they ultimately used for the Sith Infiltrator, which was Darth Maul's ship in Episode 1, except Darth Maul's ship had kind of bigger bigger TIE fighter-type wings, but mm-hmm. it had the same kind of elongated cockpit-type thing. Okay, right. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was cool. Cool. Well, let's talk about the deaths at the beginning real quick. Um, the kid? Deke? Deke? Deke getting sliced, I mean... Vertically, he gets sliced. Right, like up the I mean, middle. Straight from navel to throat. Yeah, so kind of like uh, cutting a fish. Right. Which is pretty rough. I mean, this little kid's, what, nine maybe? Eight right. or nine? Yep. That's a rough scene. It's a rough scene, but the kid is a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a brat. Because, <laughs> you know, because he's, uh, he's basically... Trying to show up his older brother and say, hey, I got better uh, marks than you ever did, blah, 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 so. Yeah, but he he got whipped earlier by his dad with a little leather wet belt because his he looked to see who was coming in the door. Right. Well, The kid had a rough couple of pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, but the father obviously wants the kids to live, so he's going to be rough with them. Right. And, uh, hey, if you're going to be in this deal, being uh, Jedi's Padawans in, in learning, you know, it's a dangerous uh, occupation. Right. As the Sith guy found out when he gets cleaved in two. <laughs> There's a lot of that in this. As the issues progress, that seems to be Jedi's main thing. They just love to chop people in half. <laughs> and obviously Starkiller's probably been chopped in half at one point because he's only a head and arm. Exactly. Exactly. Talk about a rough occupation. <laughs> I mean, you've got nothing left but, a, but an arm and a head. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> it's a rough life. Because uh, I can think of at least one part that I wouldn't want to be doing without. So, anyway. Toes. So, exactly. Toes. Hard to keep your balance otherwise. So, the Empire, they're fighter craft instead of TIE fighters. They're little tiny baby Star Destroyers. Exactly! Well, right. So, when they have the scene in this comic where they show them flying over the city, it's like, wow! Those must be really big buildings. <laughs> they're flying those destroyers mighty low. It's like, oh no, they're just two-man fighters. It's like, whoa! That was weird. Yeah. So they're the same, you know, kind of sort of uh, uh, Doritos chip shape, and <laughs> uh, but there's like it's just like two guys in there. It's, right. it's very, it's just, it just totally looks out of proportion. Yep, not used to it. But I did like Darth Vader's outfit with the more white. I actually thought that actually looked kind of cool with the white gloves, and then the shoulder pad things actually go on top of the cape, so the cape's coming up from behind it instead of over it. Yeah. thought it gave it a cool look. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that are similar, but the big thing that isn't similar is that for all of this issue, he has no helmet on. Nope. So, and he has no problem breathing. His left eye looks messed up and all red. 
along with the like the left side of his face, like in a line with his left eye, is all like obviously been chopped up by maybe a lightsaber or something. I don't know. But other than that, he looks like just a big nasty dude. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Right. I kinda yeah. like him and he's all scowling. <laughs> he's he's all scowling. But as we go on He's not as much of a force to reckon with as the uh, movie Darth Vader. Oh, really? I don't think. Maybe I haven't got that far into it. Well, in the third issue, he meets somebody else who he's like almost like groveling at his feet. So that was kind of uh, unexpected. Anyway, we won't get to that. Let's let's not talk about that. So I, I thought it was interesting. They have Peter Cushing's character, Grand Moff Tarkin. I, th- I think that was his name. Yeah. Um... But they've got it in the form of what, what was he uh, uh, governor? Is that what he's they call it? I think he's a war go- uh, a war coordinator or something like that. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So it was kind of interesting because the way they've got him drawn, he kind of looks like Peter Cushing, kinda same stature anyway. Uh, oh, silver, you, you know, wait, silver. hold on, wait. Tarkin is in with the the king. There is uh, uh, a white haired okay, so, guy there in in the uh, in with the. In, you're talking about. Um, yeah, I'm talking about the scene with Vader, and I thought his name with was Hodak. Governor. Yeah, Hodak, him. Yeah, Governor. Governor Hodak, yeah. Governor Here Hodak, there he is. Governor Hodak. But he's the guy that we'll see later on, on the Death Star, as they're doing attacks and stuff. And yeah. and again, they're, you know, Vader and, in this case, Grand Moff Tarkin in the, in the, in the movie, but in this case, it's Governor Hodak. So right. those are the one-two punch managing the Death Star. Which right. they don't call a Death Star, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. And then so later, that's... like the, ne- the next page, there is a Tarkin. But right. He, he works for the, the king. Exactly. And he, he or, I don't know, I can't even tell if it's, a, it might be a she, because she looks like she's wearing a dress of some sort. But it never right. shows a close-up, so I don't know for sure. Right. Just called Tarkin. So I thought that was interesting. That is. of the name. Right. And uh, speaking of genders not quite sure of, we'll eventually get to C-3PO. But, uh, <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So one more thing I want to mention is, rather than saying, may the force be with you, they say, may the force of others be with you all. Or actually, may the force of other be with you all. Right. And they bring it up a couple times as the issues go forward. And I don't know what the heck they're talking about. Until... Anakin says something later on, which gives you a better idea, but um, I, I, I thought the use of that wording was uh, interesting uh, in the comic. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I'm glad they shortened it. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, yeah. So, may the Force be with you. It's like, oh, Force. Oh, okay, the Force. Okay, well... You know, when you first watch the movie, you're not sure what the Force is, but then you find out. But then it's like, okay, I can kind of get along with that when I first hear it. And maybe it's just because of the fact that they're saying something that is fundamentally not right based on my experience, my own prejudices. But may the Force of other be with you all. It's like, it just doesn't seem to make much sense. Right. Yeah, so glad they shortened it. Otherwise, May 4th, when everybody goes around saying May 4th be with you. (laughs) Right. Wouldn't be as much fun. No, it wouldn't be. <laughs> All right, my last comment on this issue is Princess Leia. I I like that in this one she's wearing almost the buns on her hair. Yeah, uh, and 
she looks she doesn't look like Carrie Fisher, but you can definitely get that vibe from what oh, she's wearing. And yeah, she, her her hair is pretty much the same. She's got a white outfit on, which is pretty much the same. I mean, yeah, it it, it definitely. When we see this Princess Leia, she looks very similar to when we first see Princess Leia in A New Hope. Right. Although I not do think quite she's younger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the fa- I mean, she's not a clone of Carrie Fisher. So, yeah. So, and, and so she's kind of going off to, to college or something. Or going to go off to college. So, you know, so where she might be more like 18, 19, Carrie Fisher was like at least in her 20s. Right. Right. In A New Hope. Right. Yep. Which is funny, because you watch A New Hope, and you think that maybe Princess Leia is older than Luke, and then later you find out they're twins. Nope. They're the same age. They are. Luke's actually a minute older. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which I have no clue about, but you do. Uh, expanded you Universe. Star Thanks. Wars Episode Three. Uh, I No we recollection. see him coming out of the womb. Uh. Little droid pulls it out, and Padme says, Luke... And then the other one. Yeah, I I don't remember that, but cool. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in a long time. Cool. All right, but yeah, so she's got more of a journey in the comics than in the movie because she's already a self-assured leader, rebel fighter, you know. Where here she's uh, she's got a journey to go on. Right. Although she does have piss and vinegar. Right. Which, which I think a lot of what they use for Padme in the in the prequels, I mm-hmm. see in in this story for her. Yeah, she reminds me a lot of of Padme more than maybe Princess Leia. Right. Cool. Well, um, I've done all my comments. Also, as I so let's jump on to issue two then. Let's do that. Okay, so this is issue number two, The Empire Strikes. I think is the title. October 2013, creative team is mostly the same. J.W. Rinsler is the writer. Art by Mike Mayhew. Colors, Rain Burrito. Letterer, Michael Heisler. Cover, Nick Runge. Variant cover by Ralph McQuarrie. Designer, Jimmy Presler. Assistant editor, Freddie Linz. Editor is Randy Stradley, and publisher is Mike Richardson. The main cover features the heads of Leia, General Skywalker, and Anakin. At the top is the Death Star with two fighters in front of it. A large mushroom cloud rising up from a huge explosion is to the right of the Death Star. The bottom shows General Skywalker crossing lightsabers with Anakin, likely in a spirited training session. The alternate cover features General Skywalker, Anakin, and what appears to be Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2 on a flat planet's surface. Above them is the Space Fortress, as opposed to the Death Star, two Y-Wing fighters, and two suns. At the top in red, washed lettering, is the title of The Star Wars. Apparently the cover is by Ralph McQuarrie, who we spoke of earlier did much of the conceptual art for the original New Hope movie. Far beneath the Palace of Light and Skywalker's hidden war room, the General and his control room staff are staring at a wall-sized monitor of an incoming object as large as a moon. At first, they say it's far too large to be man-made, but it's traveling too slow to be a comet. 
However, it's too far out to be sure what it is. General Skywalker heads up to see the king and tells Captain Anakin Starkiller to stick close to him for now. Anakin tells his father goodbye. Beaming with pride, Kane Starkiller tells his son to do as he is told, but to think for himself. He wishes the force of others will be with his friend Luke and his son. On a palace balcony above, Skywalker and Anakin approach the king and queen. They tell the queen that Kane is off to the Gordon spaceport to see a friend of his, Han Solo, the Aurelian. As the royals sit down to dinner, the general tells them he suspects an attack and that there is no longer time for discussion and debate. Their best agent, named Whitson, has disappeared. Unusual military traffic in the S-4 sectors. The king cuts Skywalker off and tells him when he meets with the assembly tomorrow, he will end the alliance treaty and get approval to release the war codes to Skywalker. The general tells him tomorrow will be too late. The king says he will not override the assembly. When an aide enters and tells them all the huge object has disappeared from their scopes, the general backs off and says he will wait for tomorrow. They all leave the royals to their dinner. Back in the subterranean war room, General Skywalker tells his people to check their scanners again, an object that large simply cannot disappear. The general looks for Anakin and finds him getting ready to smooch on some hot red-haired honey with a limited vocabulary. Skywalker draws his lightsaber and swings it at Anakin, who was able to activate his lightsaber and block the attack. The general chastises him and tells him a Jedi must be singular of mind and disciplined, something Anakin's father never fully learned or Anakin would not be here. His mind must follow the bendy way. Anakin says it won't happen again and begins to ask Skywalker a question, but they are interrupted by news that Whitson has been admitted to the infirmary. They go there, and Whitson tells them in a weak voice, the Empire is readying an attack using a huge space fortress. It's unlike anything seen before. Whitson gives Skywalker his ring. Skywalker tells Anakin to take the fastest speeder he can to fetch Princess Leia. Bring her, and only her, back here. The general sounds a full alert. Contact the king of the imminent attack. Without the war codes, they cannot deploy the war computer. At the college, Anakin has to use rough tactics to get the uncooperative princess to come with him and leave her luggage and handmaiden behind. The next morning, General Skywalker finally makes contact with the king. He informs him of the imminent attack and asks for the war code. The king says he will replay it directly to the computer and asks about his family. Skywalker assures him Anakin is fetching Leia and the rest of the family is in the war room. The king and his entourage are speeding towards the city, but a new third morning star is in the sky. A deadly interloper. A huge explosion takes place and kills the king and his guard. Meanwhile, in the spaceport of Gordon, fighter pilots are gearing up and taking to the air to attack a foe many times their size. Devil Squadron is on its way to knock the invader back to Alderaan. In the war room, a controller informs General Skywalker that only six fighters out of Gordon are aloft, 
the rest of their air base was hit. The king is still not accounted for. The fighters approach the huge circular weapons platform as it fires more deadly fire on the surface. General Skywalker tells them they are it and to concentrate fire on the breath ports and lock areas. The fighters hit sensitive locations on the space fortress and deal significant damage, but the fortress has many defensive towers and the fighters take heavy fire and eventually start to go down. In the space fortress, a golden humanoid robot and a short squat robot are moving quickly among many humans who are running for their lives. They speak to each other in an almost human way, complete with whining from the golden android. More fighting outside and more damage to the fortress. Inside the fortress's command center, Governor Hodak is receiving reports of significant damage but not critical damage. General Vader, complete with one red eye and a nasty scar that ruins the part in his hair, counsels the governor not to look so worried. Most of the Jedi's attack force is destroyed. The ground attack will commence as soon as the rest of the fighters are blown to atoms. In the underground war room, General Skywalker receives word the planet's Senate has voted to end the war. The general says they can't do that without the king's concurrence. Outside, the four remaining fighters attack a reactor complex that is conveniently located on the surface of the space fortress. They lose one of the fighters, but deal a lot of damage. Near the explosion, inside the fortress, the golden android wants to take an escape pod and get out of Dodge, but the earnest squat robot wants to stay and do their assigned work. It would not be right to desert their duty, the squat robot says. After the reactor explosion, they decide it's time to take a ride in an escape pod, and the squat robot is in the lead. The last three fighters get word that the analysts say if they hit a transformer coil at 0-3, they will take out the main relay and the station will go dark. The fighters set course. In the fortress control center, Vader expects the last fighters will be taken down soon, so they make ready the ground invasion force. The governor reminds Vader that his people must capture the heir to the royal family alive so she can be used as a puppet ruler by the Empire. The Aquilae clan has ruled over the system for 10,000 years, and only that name can rule the system. The governor says they have won a great prize for the Empire this day. Their cloning technology is a treasure trove of knowledge that can be used to extend the Empire. Meanwhile, in the war room, General Skywalker is told the king and his convoy were destroyed on their way back. The senator and his entourage enters, telling Skywalker the war is over. They have accepted peace terms from the Empire. He shows the peace decree that the queen herself has signed. Skywalker reads it and realizes it is all legal and proper. A heavy decision needs to be made. Finally, the general decides to contact his fighters and tell them to stand down. The war is over. They end their run, but are destroyed by the defensive turrets. The only chance to stop the fortress is lost. Skywalker screams at the senator that this is the peace the Empire promised? Get out of my sight! Make no mistake... 
Whether treason or not, this war is just beginning. To be continued. Next issue, The Rise of the Sith. There you go. So, I kind of like that ending. Right, with Skywalker being all mad? Well, being mad, but also having that decision to make. Right. So he's either going to do what he knows is right, which is take out the space station, or he's going to go ahead and do what is the proper thing, which is to go by the law. So he's a guest there, right? I mean, that's not his planet. So... I think it might be his planet, but he's not royalty or anything. Well, no, I know that. Yeah, he's a general. But, you know, it doesn't... I don't know whether it's an adopted planet or not, but Starkiller does say, we're going home. Right. So I have the impression that is Anakin and and his father's home. So I I get that. It's just that I had the impression that it wasn't necessarily uh, Luke's home, General Skywalker's home. But I could be wrong about that. The main point is, he's got a big decision to make. And he, he does the right thing from a legal standpoint. And pays the price for it. Right. Yeah, so this was uh, pretty... Basically one long battle, back and forth. Right. Yeah. It's finally and... close enough. Now, did they ever explain how the Death Star... And I'm going to call it the Death Star, but they do not call it the Death Star here. Did they ever explain how it disappeared... From the view scanners, the rebels. No, I thought it was convenient how they didn't. I mean, so they have a cloaking device. It's like, how else do you hide <laughs> hide an approaching object that large? Yeah. So I thought that was kind of like convenient how you didn't explain that. Right. Maybe it went into hyperspace or something. Disappeared that way. <laughs> Maybe. So why they why they take so long to get there? That's another thing. I mean, right. if you could take hyperspace, take hyperspace, and boom, you end up a lot closer than they apparently were right? when they first saw them. So, I don't know. Right. This issue, to me, had a lot of lines that didn't quite make sense, which made you think that you were missing something. Mm-hmm. Like? Well, like Whitson just showing up all beaten up. I mean, mm-hmm. last we saw him, he was going to try to find some pirates to get back. Did it, did it say what happened to him? No. It just says he's been admitted into the medical Infirmary, facilities. right. Right. Yeah. Why? Did the pirates beat him up? What, was, what happened? Yeah, I don't know. Or was he intercepted or something? Right. You know, now, now, when the big heavy guy in the bar was Bale. picked up... Bale. Okay. When Bale, Christian, was picked up uh, by the stormtroopers and some leader guy, right. and he was talking to Whitson. It's like... And they continue to talk as Bale is taken into custody. It's like... Right. Yeah, Wouldn't but, you think you'd want to talk to that Whitson guy? He's being dragged away. Whitson, find some pirates to get off planet. <laughs> it's it's like the stormtroopers are under orders not to think. So just just get bail and just ignore anybody else that happens to be there. That's likely a confederate of them. Right. Yeah, I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Take a little initiative, guys. And if it's not the stormtroopers that take some initiative, I think there was another guy in black who was directing them. I don't remember that guy, but maybe. Yeah. Eh. Well. That was a whole issue ago. I don't remember that. Sheesh. Uh, Come on, man. Yeah, you're right. There was a guy in black. Yeah. So we heard about Han Solo. Huh? Huh? Yeah, I can't wait to see him. Yeah. How is he different? How is he the same? 
yeah, I'll find out soon enough. I'm looking forward to doing the rest of these issues. Right. Yep. So what's the deal with Anakin and that lovely redhead? Uh, yeah. That was another one that was really random. Exactly. And not well explained at all. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, it shows him eating dinner, and then the next scene, he's just gone and uh, smooching on some woman. (laughs) Yeah, so somebody else who is part of General Skywalker's military force or whatever in the secret lair, who happens to be hot. And apparently Anakin and she had struck up some kind of a relationship, maybe? I don't know. I just had the feeling he was using the force and using the mind control thing, because all she was like, she was like against the wall going, uh... I think she just liked it. She was like, she enjoyed his company. I guess know? so. To the point that she couldn't say much. Anyway. Not a lot to talk about when you're smooching. <laughs> We're getting ready to smooch. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, if he is using the mind control, that's bad. I, I hadn't thought about that. Well, I'm sure he isn't. I'm just, I'm just mentioning that. But also in regards to him and something that didn't quite make sense is during the dinner... Luke and somebody, I forget, is, is it the king? They're having dinner, and... The king and the queen? Yeah, okay. Okay. And then uh, Anakin just like, the general has taken me as his Padawan learner while his mouth's full of food. <laughs> Who was he talking to? <laughs> Nobody was talking to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the king, the king uh, just said, I can't forsake my oath and more than any more than you can, and then... The follow-up to that was Anakin with his mouth full of food. The general has taken me as a one runner. That's... <laughs> Did I, it's, it's a weird panel, just very abrupt. Yeah. Well, and, and there's other things during that little interchange where Anakin is showing he's kind of a klutz. He's kind of a, a rube. Um, and he's, a little, he's awkward in, right. the, in the presence of the royals, apparently. I mean, he did just grow up with just his dad and little brother, so maybe... Exactly. <laughs> and, and I don't think his father was much into teaching manners. No, he was, half, he was mostly robot. <laughs> exactly, so... You think Anakin knew that his father was, was like that? Because when he rips off his shirt in that first issue, Anakin seems surprised, too. Well, I don't see how he can't. Right. Um, I mean, there's only the three of them living together. The two brothers and the and the father. So right. it's like, I'm, sh- you know, and, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just the emotional outburst that freaked him out. Well, that or else the the news that he's dying. Right, right. Because uh, what Deke says something when he goes down to check out the the Sith's ship that he says something about him being too old for this kind of thing to take you know to go one on one. He doesn't right. say anything about being sick. Right. He says he's too old. So maybe he didn't know he's dying. But that was a surprise, maybe. Right. Another thing that's kind of interesting is the whole thing about the Jedi. So it says something about the Jedi for, you know, 10,000 years or whatever was the bodyguards, personal bodyguards of the old Empire's, well, Emperor. Right. And they're amazing warriors. But at least so far... We don't know anything about the Force, and they don't seem to display any kind of Jedi tricks, except that they're really kick-butt fighters. 
Well, so. when when the Star Killers came in, it looked like they were using the Force to kind of push people away. So, oh, I thought they were just using like brute force to push. Oh, uh, then they away. were just tr- physically pushing them. That's what I thought. Yeah, maybe. Um, I thought they were just kind of like doing like what Luke did to right. the Gamorreans, just right. kind of like yeah, and, and, them or and maybe away. that's what they're trying to say. But I don't see any hard evidence yet of any mind control abilities or any kind of levitation abilities. Or any of those a little bit more whacked, kind of like far-out Jedi abilities from the movies? Right. I haven't seen evidence of it yet. You know, maybe what you mentioned, uh, that they weren't just throwing people out of their way when they came into the underground station, but maybe. I just want to, I just want to mention that. Good point. I'm just, I'm just wondering if they really do have any kind of fancy things like that. Yeah, I don't know. They have the amazing ability to cut people in half. So do forget you about ch- any more than that? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, and at least so far, the Jedis don't seem to be too interested in lobbing off arms. They're just going right for the torsos. Which makes sense. <laughs> Can't fight back much when no. you're a stump. Unless you're uh, uh, the elder Starkiller. Right. <laughs> so, Anakin knocking out poor Princess Leia with a right cross, that seemed <laughs> a little much. It did. But she was really being a pain. She wanted to save her friend. Well, seem fair. Sorry. Got my orders, baby. And forget about all that. Where am I going to put all that luggage? So, I mean, she's definitely playing to some degree the, you know, the spoiled princess. Right. To some degree. But good point. She's trying to bring her a handmaiden with her. Whatever. Yeah. But that's not to be. I mean, he wails on her. That was kind of a surprise. (laughs) Well. Yeah, no Vulcan neck pinch, nothing. Just whack. <laughs> right. I don't know that these guys have any special abilities, other than being really good warriors. Well, maybe. We'll see. Okay, so I thought it was very interesting that R2-D2, or R2, as he's referred to, I, I think I think this entire issue called him R2. Yeah, in the next issue, I think they <coughs> call him R2-D2. Right, they do the full thing in the next issue. But he speaks English, or so it appears. I mean, I suppose it could be that, ooh, that's what C-3PO hears. And you're actually, instead of seeing, you know, you actually know what he's saying to to C-3PO. But I don't think that's it. I think think R2 in this this continuity actually can speak English. I agree. I think he can speak English. Normal words. Or, yeah, what, whatever the real name is. It's basic. They, they speak basic. <laughs> basic, okay, okay. Microsoft basic, yes. Okay. As, as opposed to Esperanza. Oh, God, yeah. Well, what, yeah, what, whatever uh, em, uh, Empire Standard is. Yeah, it's basic, exactly. I'm telling you. There you go. Yeah, which makes more sense. If you think about it, if you have a little droid that's that... You know, has that much capability and is that intelligent? Why would you not have a little voice synthesizer on it so that he could speak normally, right? Instead of just tweedling. Exactly. Except you got to have a job for C three PO. He has to <laughs> interpret it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This just that really drove home how impractical and maybe even. You know, kid friendly, R two D two really was. Yeah. At the time, I didn't see it, but now I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. He was there for 
I have a cute little character that kids could get into. Sure. And also one, you know, R2 in the movies definitely was the robot hero. He was always brave and, and doing the right thing and that kind of stuff. In this book, he isn't all as shiny and good as in the movie, I don't think. No. He has a lot of the same traits that C-3PO has. I agree. Although at least he seems to be along the continuum towards a uh, good guy, you know, a little more selfless than C-3PO. That doesn't seem to have many redeeming characteristics so far. But yes, they are very similar. I mean, they're going back and forth arguing. So now you actually hear both sides of the argument. Right. Uh, where you didn't before. Right. So C-3PO's dialogue is, is very similar to... Mm-hmm. A New Hope. Yes. So it is kind of interesting to see what, what R2 might have been telling him the whole time. Right. So what is the deal with 3PO anyway? Um, he's a... Uh, is he a guy? Is he a girl? Is he somewhere between? In this one, he definitely looks like a... He looks more feminine in this. Yes. I agree with that. But I think that's because Ralph McQuarren based his designs on the robot from Metropolis. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which was definitely female. Yes. Uh, so. d- definitely took inspiration from that. Right. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still calling him a him just because that's, to me, what C-3PO should be. Right. But it could go either way on this one. Right. So, in the fight, one of the fire pilots, his name was Mace. It sure was. Right. As in Mace Windu? Right, and even before that, uh, one of the characters in Ewok's Courage or Cavern of Courage. <laughs> oh, was hold on. Named Mace. Oh, I had to laugh. Okay, sorry, I'm back. Yeah, e- so, Ewok's what? The Cavern of Courage. Oh wow, is that an animated thing or what? No, it was live action. It was a made-for-TV movie. There was there was two of them. Okay. And, uh, one of the characters' name was Mace. Ah. Which obviously they got from probably, you know, George Lucas obviously liked the name Mace. Mm-hmm. He might have had it in the original screenplay like this and then right. didn't get used in the movie, so they used it in the Ewoks and then George Lucas himself reused it in episode one. Right. So I, I like that. I thought that was a cool little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. So the guys that were actually flying the six ships fighters that were doing the attack. The um, guys. Yeah. Okay. Were any of them um, Jedi? I don't think um, so. Well, I was thinking that too, but they seem to be awfully good pilots. And with all that, that fire that was coming up from the surface of the space fortress, they seem to be able to stay alive pretty long. So they seem to be performing on a higher level than like a normal person would. But still, they never said they were Jedi. So I, was, right. I wasn't 100% sure. I didn't think they were Jedi. I thought they were just competent pilots. Right. And then when they, one of them was named Mace, it was like, oh, oh, oh. That's a Jedi name. But <laughs> apparently not in this. Well, in this M- Mace and the Cavern of Courage was not, uh, not a Jedi. So I think it's just a common so, Star Wars name. Oh, so it wasn't Samuel L. Jackson playing it? No. Oh. Well, even more so. I'm disappointed. <laughs> you need to watch those. They're good. Yeah, I'll get They're right on that. Good. 
Really? They're not just a, uh, a cheap attempt to make money off of the Star Wars franchise. Not at all. Um, Wilfred Brimley, what's his name? Wilfred, uh, Wilfred Brimley? Brimley, yeah, he's in one of them. Uh-huh. He doesn't, he doesn't play a really big Ewok, does he? No, he plays an old traitor. Oh, okay. That's stranded there, kind of like a Wizard of Oz type character. Oh. Just to get, get his ship going. Oh. Does he have diabetes? He has diabetes. <laughs> and he I... likes Quaker oatmeal. Right. <laughs> there you go. Anyways. Uh, I really don't have a lot to talk about this one. Uh, no. Um, um, I, I, I do ask, my last question is, when the spy guy, Whit, Whit, Whitmore, Whithead, Whit, Whitson. Whitson, that's it. He takes off his ring and gives it to General Skywalker. And that seems to be like a re- pretty significant action. Right. So is that supposed to mean that he's got the, <laughs> he's got the plans for the uh, Death Star in there? Or that somehow has information that he needs? Or does he think he's going to die or something? I mean, what's the deal? What's the right. deal with the blue ring? I didn't get it. I didn't get it in the first issue either because yeah. they they'd spent a lot of time showing his ring and Bale's ring. Right. So uh, hopefully later on they'll explain the significance of these blue rings. Right. Okay. Maybe maybe they're blue lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> blue lanterns. Okay. The last last thing I'm going to say is I kind of like the speeder uh, that the one Anakin used. Right. Actually, it reminds me of like a 1970s vintage. Cadillac convertible. It's it's big. It's wide. It just looks looks like a very big speeder. Right, and the fins kind of end in points. Uh, well, the yeah. So the back end kind of looks a little bit like some 1950s Buick or something. Right. <laughs> right. It just seemed unnecessarily wide. Well, yeah. For for only but it's two still people. Cool. <laughs> it's two people. I mean, it's just usually why. No, handmaiden, which... we don't have enough room. Uh, there's only three or four rows of seats. <laughs> right. I thought that was that was kind of crappy. Yeah. There's plenty of room there. Throw her in. Right now, and I feel I must mention something. Even though, since I'm speaking of speeders, even though we're not going to do number three issue number three today, there is a nice little Easter egg where we do get to see Luke's speeder from A New Hope. Oh, really? I liked. I like that in issue three. That's all I have to say. In this one, we get to see a Trade Federation tank when the king blows up. It shows like those two farmers or whatever right. looking. Right. And they're in what looks exactly like a Trade Federation tank from episode one. Ah. Except it doesn't have the tank barrel. Right. Well, definitely in the next issue, there's a lot of desert stuff fighting going on. And definitely some of those vehicles remind me a bit of the uh, movies. Right. Cool. All right. All right. So uh, I guess should we wrap it up? Let's do so. We've completed the first two. And our inaugural episode of Star Wars Comic Book Review. It's, it's, it's amazing. Right. Hopefully everybody enjoyed our first one. Yeah, and are okay with this total rebranding, this total new direction. Yeah. Let's let's hope it continues. Yeah. Which okay? Won't. No, because of course this is April first, and it's the April Fool's episode. Are you kidding? Do you think we would actually turn our back on Star Trek? No, of course not. Just for one issue, like this one. Right. 
Although I wouldn't mind revisiting this uh, again, but... Well, there's a lot more story. There's four more issues. So... So, if you, the listeners, want to hear us continue to do the Star Wars uh, miniseries, write, us, write in stcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Let us know. If we don't hear from anybody, then we'll just drop it like we do all the other April Fool's stuff and uh, <laughs> keep on Star Trekking. Exactly. Let's keep on trekking. Cool. So, with that, uh, next week we really will do... Marvel's Deep Space Nine issues one through three. Exactly. It would be fine, f- fine return to the Star Trek universe, which we all love. But but can yes can can I ask one favor? You can. Can we close this this episode with a little musical treat from uh, Mr. Bill Murray? Oh please, because I'll tell you. Nothing says Star Wars to me like Bill's lilting tones. Ah, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars, don't let them end. Ah, Star Wars, if they should bar wars, please let me. How about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars! Those near in Star Wars! My seventh winner up here! Star Wars! It's a trap! <laughs>